You know, there's a couple of different options of things that you can do if that's your situation. The first is you can just say, I'm not touching this. I'm going to pay somebody or ask somebody else to do this for me. Which when it comes to computer kinds of things, that's exactly what I do. I don't even mess around with that. Uh, we got a new laptop a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And I didn't even, I didn't touch it. I didn't even open the box. I just gave it to Noah and said, here, you take care of it. Because I know it's way up over here. Uh, so that's one option. You can just say, somebody else take care of it. Another option uh, you can do is you can say, I'm going to struggle through this. I really need to know how to do this. I need to make this work. And so I'm going to put the time and effort into making it actually happen. Which occasionally I will do that. A couple weeks ago I had to fix the head of the weed whacker. We, uh, we got the part and it was like, this doesn't make sense to me following the directions. And so I spent some time in the garage trying to figure this out. And finally I did. And it works. It's amazing. Um, but there's another option of what you can do. And I think everybody probably knows this. It's called YouTube. Right? Anybody ever use YouTube in order to understand something, to see? I mean, the directions are really good. I mean, they're designed to be good. But if you can watch somebody do it, it's a lot easier to understand. My wife does this kind of thing. She's much better at uh, going to YouTube. She's fixed things in our house. I'm ashamed to say that she's fixed things that I wouldn't have attempted to do because I didn't know how. There were no directions. But Leslie said, I'm going on YouTube, and I'm going to figure it out. Uh, a couple weeks ago... Um, I had a project I was trying to do with my car. I wanted to get the wiring harness hooked up so that we could pull our tent trailer with our Honda Pilot. And I watched the YouTube, I had to, there was no directions in the box. And I'm like thinking, how do you give me this much stuff with no directions? And so I went out and I, I watched this YouTube video. I thought this really isn't that tough. And I, I struggled to get parts of it done, but you know what, I still couldn't do it. I found out later that I really didn't watch the YouTube video that well. Uh, but ultimately, Todd came and saved the day with his skills. And also the YouTube video told me completely how I was doing it wrong and how to do it. YouTube was a very handy tool. And YouTube was designed kind of to do that, to give your, your own personal videos. And people have run with it and said, this is how you, like, dude, perfect. This, these are some fun things. This is how you can find almost anything on there. How do you hook up your wiring system? How to... Uh, fix your fridge like what Leslie did. You know, there's just things that you can find and it makes it easier. Uh, and it's there to demonstrate. It's there to give you a picture of how to fix something. What is this project supposed to look like? Here are some pitfalls as you're trying to work through doing something. And that, that, that visual picture that you see makes it so much easier to understand. Now, you guys see this picture all the time. At least we do. We watch YouTube all the time on TV. Uh, that's what we watch for our entertainment. And if every time you see this video, I want you to remember that you are to be a YouTube video yourself. But your goal is to demonstrate God's love to other people. That you, in fact, love God. And you're demonstrating to them, this is, how, this is how God loves you. And he's using me as a live YouTube video to demonstrate his love to you. So every time you see that video or that, that logo, I want you to think, I am a live YouTube video to the world around me. And I need to be demonstrating and showing them God's love. 
So we're going to be continuing in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. And the first thing we see is the command to love. I didn't make this up. This is what is actually there in Scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. It says, This is the message we have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Uh, in your bulletin, there is a definition of love. It says, love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. I know you have seen that before because I have put it in the bulletin before. But it's not something that's based off of intrigue or excitement or some kind of passion or emotion. Boy, I just got these emotions that I can't handle. I just got to express my love. This is a love that you just choose to do. It's choosing to do what's in the best interest of somebody else, whether I know them, whether I like them, whether we are jiving or not. Love is a choice, uh, and it's something that has been there from the beginning. God started it when he made creation. He put Adam and Eve in the perfect garden because he loved them. He wanted a relationship with people because he loved us. He's given rain. He causes it to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous because he loves us. God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And it's been there from the beginning. It's not a new message. It has been continuing ever since the beginning of creation. Some people are going to take that and they are going to love other people. Some people are not going to love other people. It's not going to matter. They are not going to do it. So first of all, we're going to look at uh, those who don't love. And John comes up with a picture, uh, an illustration to the people that he's talking to about this is what love does not look like. Uh, back in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, it's the first book of the Bible. Pretty easy to find. Uh, I want to read to you about uh, a little bit about what... Uh, John uses as an example of love. And I'll read, how about First John chapter 3, verse 12. He says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Obviously, a guy who's not loving his brother, right? You guys get that kind of picture? But here's a little background of the story. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. It said, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. That was the first offspring ever created as far or birth as far as mankind goes. And she says, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. There's two boys. There is Cain, and there's Abel. And it says, now Abel kept the flock. So I say, Abel is the rancher. And Cain worked the soil, so Cain is the farmer. Nothing wrong with either one of them. Maybe if you're a rancher, you don't like the farmer. I don't know if you're a farmer, you don't like the rancher. I have no idea. Um, but the thing is, it's just two normal people doing the job that they were given to do. So you could say one's a plumber, one's a mechanic, one's a cook, one's a teacher, right? Just two different people with two different jobs. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So you have these two different people, two different jobs. It doesn't really matter what they are, but you find a big difference between them. Cain says, you know what? This offering is just going to get toasted. That's what I think. He said, this offering is just going to get toasted. Here, I'm just going to give you some of this stuff so that you can burn it and it doesn't really matter. And Abel says, you know what? I'm going to do what I was told to do. I'm going to bring the, the firstborn, the best of my crops, or the best of my um, cattle to the Lord as an offering. 
It says, um, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? They had this option of how they were supposed to do or what they were supposed to do. It doesn't tell us in the, in the first couple of chapters, this is how you're supposed to bring your offering to the Lord or what exactly to bring. But these guys knew. Abel says, you know what, God, I'm on your side. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you the best of what I have. Cain says, you know what, I don't really don't want to waste the best of what I have. I'm going to keep it for myself and just give some of my stuff to God. And you find here that it was a choice that each of them made. Cain says, you know what, I'm choosing not to follow directions. Abel says, I am choosing to follow directions. And then you find out in verse 8, it says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. He killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because, well, first of all, it says he belonged to the evil one. And it says because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Just two different brothers doing what they wanted to do. One says, I want to do what God wants me to do. The other one says, I don't want to do what God is asking me to do. It was a choice that each of them made. And, and because Cain did not like what Abel did, he said, I'm going to kill him. If Abel would have just brought some of the crops of his, uh, or some of his lambs to the Lord, just some of them, like that one has a broken leg anyway, Cain would have had no problem with what Abel brought because God wouldn't have been happy with either. But because God accepted what Abel did and he wouldn't accept what Cain did, Cain got mad and said, I'm going to take his life. I'm going to get revenge. I don't care about the outcome. I don't care that I'm not going to have a brother anymore. I'm going to take his life. And it was because of verse 7. It says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Cain uh, didn't master his sin. Rather, he was mastered by his sin. And so he gave in to the temptation of what his of what he wanted to do. Now, John didn't bring this up to say, boy, that's just a sad story from the past. He brought this up because he says, you know what? Here's an example of somebody called Abel who wanted to love and serve the Lord. Here's Cain who didn't care. And then Cain took out his frustration on Abel. And he says in verse 13, do not be surprised, my brother, if the world hates you. He says, here's an exact example of, of what, the, what I'm talking about. Did you know that if you love Jesus and you want to do what God wants you to do, at times the world is not going to like you? Did you know that? In theory, we know that. We don't want to experience it. But it's true. And it doesn't have to be uh, anything really major, but in, in any area of life. Um, you know, back then, John's, uh, you know, talking to these people, they're thinking of things that we don't think about. You know, when, when people are, are being persecuted or, or punished because of, of, of walking with the Lord, they're thinking of things like beatings, like imprisonments, like loss of possessions, loss of life, because they are uh, not, because they don't appreciate what it is that these people are taking their stand for. But you know, the same thing's going to happen to you. If you're going to love Jesus and do what he wants, the world is not going to like you. Uh, Leslie used to be a barista. She used to make coffee at this Some Like It Hot uh, coffee shop in Davenport. I loved the fact that she was there. I could go get good tasting coffee. There are certain things that she just made super well. Uh, but you know, she wasn't always that popular there. Uh, for one reason was because she followed the directions. She did what she was supposed to. Uh, when they would uh, get tips, you know, you guys go to the coffee shops, ever you give them a tip, like here's a dollar or two. And they would work for like six hours and she would, they would have to write it down and everybody could see what they made. 
Well, it was really, this was really amazing because Leslie made like five to six times what everybody else made. They would write down three to four dollars off the tips that they made, and she'd make like 25 to 30 dollars in tips. And it was like, it was amazing that she could make that much because all the other girls, they dressed for the tips. They flirted for the tips. They did whatever, and all they could muster was like four dollars for a six-hour shift. Boy, something's kind of odd there. Even a, a gal that went to our church who wrote down the tips was, was hard on Leslie. Didn't like the fact that Leslie was writing down the real amount that she made to the very cent of a tip that she made. And if you write it down, you have to claim it. It comes out of your, it, it, it counts towards your taxes at the end of the year. And if everybody's writing three or four dollars, Boy, that seems pretty legit. But if you have her making $25, well, they're making three or four. And so she wasn't very popular in the, in the Some Like It Hot coffee shop. And if you say, uh, I'm going to do what God wants, you're not going to be popular either. Like if you're, if, you, if you're working with your coworkers and the boss says, you know what, I didn't really like that project. You need to redo it or you need to stay late. Uh, or if your teacher gives you homework over the weekend, or the president tells you to wear a mask and you don't like it and everybody wants to get together and complain about all of this and you're the person who says, you know what, this is what the authority has said over us, um, you might not be popular. People may not like you because you're willing to take a stand to do what's right. We talked about in Sunday school, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you stake your claim on that and you tell people that, you are not going to be popular. He says, do not be surprised that the world is going to hate you. Now we think about that verse and we say, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised, but when it's actually happening to us, wait a second, ouch, I don't like to be persecuted. I don't like to be rejected. I don't like it that people are mean to me or that are, are leaving me out. It hurts. It makes me mad. I don't know if it's worth going through that anymore if, if that's the way it's going to be when I follow Jesus. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 20 has a very good verse. It's a good reminder. It says, But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, then that is commendable before God. God, you find favor in God's eyes. God is proud of you if you don't run away, if you don't retaliate, if you continue to do the right thing. It's not the response that we want to give. If somebody's hurting me for doing something, immediately I want to stop. Uh, but if, 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 but if we're going to love God, and we're, we're going to continue. But, if we, but the temptation is to say, I'm not going to do it. If we choose, because love is a choice, if we choose not to love God, if we choose not to, to, to show love to people, verse 14 and 15, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. It says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love, first of all, remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. So if we choose not to love God, if we choose not to love other people, specifically other people, because that's what John is talking about, then we have not passed from life to death. We have remained in death. Now, not everybody is going to die physically. We all know that. It's happened since creation. We know that at some point our life is going to end. We're going to give up our last breath. 
So he's not talking about the fact that you're going to die physically, but you're going to die spiritually. You're going to be separated from God forever in hell. If I have this attitude that I'm not going to love other people, then I'm going to find myself destined for hell forever. Now, a lot of people want to say, I love God. I just sang those songs with all my heart to the Lord. I give money to the church and I give money to things of the Lord. But you know what? There's still that person that I just can't stand. And that's okay. That's not a big deal. That's one person I don't like. I don't care whatever happens to them. And it's okay. And you know what God says about that? He says it's impossible to love God and hate somebody else. The world says you can do it, but it, God says it's impossible. First uh, John four twenty and twenty one says whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother as a sister or sister is a liar. I love God, but I hate Steve. I'm a liar. I love God, but I hate Connie, even though she's smiling at me. I'm a liar. Um, if, I, if I can't love God, or if I can't love you, who I can see and touch, uh, then there's no way that I can love God. And that's how he puts it. Whoever, uh, if you can't love your brother or sister whom you can see, you cannot love God whom you cannot see. Uh, to hate, I mean, if, if we are not going to love our brothers, means we might be hating our brothers. Uh, to hate is to greatly dislike, to despise, to wish ill will towards a person, only wanting bad things to happen, gloating and being happy when, when bad things does happen to them. It's not just a one-time event. I think we can think of people in our lives that we're like, for a moment, I can't stand Todd, which I never felt that way. But for a moment, I don't care what happens to Todd. But it's not, it's not a one-time thing. This is like a continuous feeling of, I don't, I don't like him, I can't stand him, I don't care what happens to him. Now, I, I can't, I don't feel like I can give you the, the full force of what, the, of what hate is in words, but I bet you know what that is. You know what hate is. And, and you know if you've felt it towards somebody, you know if it's a continual thing. God's prompting in your heart saying, yes, Josh, that's hate. That's the person that you hate. And it's a continuous feeling towards somebody. And if I have this continuous feeling of I hate somebody, I am not loving God. Now, hate's a very strong word. And we don't, we don't really like to think of hate as that bad or that big because we're not really doing anything. But in Matthew 5, it says, if I hate my brother, it's the same as murder. Just as if I'm lusting after somebody, that's called adultery. And that's how God sees it. I'm not actually taking my knife and doing something or shooting somebody. But that feeling that I have, that's how God looks at it. And so it's a very serious thing if I'm going to be hating somebody. And, you know, the reason I say that you might be hating somebody is it's hard to feel like there's got to be some kind of middle ground. I love somebody. I hate somebody. What about this point in the middle? Is there really a point in the middle? I don't have to be feeling like I wish that person would die. But in, here's why I think maybe there's this middle ground, but I don't know for sure how God sees it. In 1 John three seventeen, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? How can I say I love God if I have you, what you need, but I'm not willing to help you with it? In a way, that's kind of hate. Love is the opposite of hate. And if I continuously treat somebody like that, I don't see how that can be love. 
So you have a choice. Love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. I'm choosing not to love people or I'm going to choose to love people. Those who love people, hopefully that's each one of us, you know, they don't have to love people just that they like. You can love somebody that you don't know. There's someone, the person on the side of the road that you have never seen before. Uh, The person inside the church walls. uh, The person that you can't stand. I don't like Caleb right now or Caleb right now, but I can still show love to them. I can just have this feeling that I just, I'm irritated, agitated. You know, we all people who rub us the wrong way, right? Maybe it's your spouse from time to time. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. You don't have to have this feeling of this emotion that, boy, I just really like this person, but you can still show love to them. If we show love, it says that we have passed from death to life. The person who does not love is still on the dead side. There's still the man walking in sin who needs to pass from death to life. Now, there's a lot of people throughout uh, the world today, especially in the time of the virus. Uh, my parents, my dad works at the, or he helps at the uh, Karen Share. It's like a food bank. And uh, with clothing, he said, there's more money than that place has ever seen right now because people because there's this virus because there's this issue people are just dumping money into this dinky little building in order to help other people Um, but just because they're giving just because they're showing some form of love doesn't mean they're a child of god Uh, galatians 6 326 says you are all sons of god through faith in jesus christ you don't become a child of god by by helping the poor by giving money by doing something good for somebody else Uh, that's the way the world wants to look at it they want to think that i'm i'm doing more than other people i've arrived i'm a good person because i'm willing to give so much so many good things but without jesus Without them, they themselves experiencing God's love and salvation, there's no way they can truly show love to anybody else. Not God's form of love. They can show the world's form of love. They can show good deeds and all kinds of kindnesses and and gifts to people. But it's not the same as as God's love unless they've had God's love uh, infiltrated and impacting their life. They cannot love other people. Those people who give without knowing the Lord, without that relationship with Jesus. Isaiah 64, 6 talks about all our good deeds are like filthy rags. It means absolutely nothing to God. If we don't have Jesus in our life and we do good deeds for other people, we get before God and it's like we did nothing. If I don't know Jesus and I give you all the money that I have and, and all the possessions that I have, all those good deeds are absolutely worthless. So that the, the, the person who chooses to love others has passed from death to life. And the person who chooses to love other people prove it with their life because love is a choice. You guys know the story of the Good Samaritan back in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 35. It says, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. 
I'm just going to ignore this problem. So to a Levite, when he came back uh, to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expenses that you may have. Here's a guy who says, you know what? I'm a Samaritan. I'm kind of the the outcast. You have the Gentiles, you have the Jews, and this half-breed in the middle was the Samaritan. Now, I'm sure the Gentiles and the Samaritans got along just fine, but the Jew and the Samaritan didn't. And when it came for this time for this Jewish man, the Jewish priest to help out a Jewish man, they said, I'm not doing it. When it came time for the Samaritan to help this Jewish man, he says, okay, I'm going to do it. You may not like me. You may not appreciate me. You may not thank me, but I'm going to help you because love is a choice. That is the right thing for me to do. And so he did. He, he, he bandaged him while he's taking care of him. There's the risk of somebody coming in, attacking him as well, taking his money, taking his donkey. And then he's left just as bad off as this Jewish man. With even He's even worse off because who's going to help him? But love is a choice. That's what the Samaritan showed. So I'm going to ask you a question. How are you feeling about this right now? How do you, th- how do you feel about those who don't love and those who do love? Do, do you, does someone come to mind as somebody that I hate? But I just, I really don't like this person. You know, it makes, it makes it hot up here. It's causing steam, frustration because you don't like this person. Or do you say, you know what? I have complete, complete and total peace, Josh. Because, yep, I don't like everybody, but I'm willing to show love to those people. I want what's best for them. I'm willing to help them if they need it. First thing is, we are commanded to love one another. The second thing is we are called to demonstrate that love to other people. 1 John 3.16, we first of all see the example of God's love uh, in this passage. And we're going to look and see the example of our our love. Uh, 1 John 3, verse 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for our brothers. You know, YouTube, pretty cool whatever you call it, uh, computer thing, TV thing, uh, it, would be, it would be pretty handy, I think, if we had a YouTube video of Jesus dying on the cross. I think that would cement it. I know they make videos of it. And boy, like the passion just really, it, it makes my blood boil. It just makes me mad, mad, mad watching Jesus go through that and go through that. But a YouTube video, if it was live, um, but we don't have a YouTube video to watch Jesus die to how he suffered, to have the witnesses mobbed and angry about Jesus, the interview with Jesus before he gets on the cross because they want that kind of interview or the interview with God after Jesus has been put on the cross and laid in the tomb, but before he's risen from the dead. We don't have a YouTube account of that. But we do have the four Gospels, and there's several other verses in the Bible that help give us a picture. I think if God wanted us to have a YouTube video, He would have created one. He says, that's enough for you. You can't handle, probably, what it was really like. And Jesus came. One of those verses, other than uh, in the Gospels, we find in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. 
This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our, tent, for our sin. He, he did whatever it took to reconcile us between us and God, he, um, he, to make things right between me and God. Jesus says, I'm going to do that. He was the mediator between God and man. That's how Jesus demonstrated his, his love. He says there's no other option. There's nothing else that you can do to be right with God except for what I'm going to do. And John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his friend. And you think about laying down your life for a friend. You know, I think about what Jesus did. You know, I want to I stop and don't take this as a real rebuke or a slam because I'm in the same boat, so I'm not hammering you. But I want you to think about what did Jesus gain when he died on the cross? When he, he paid for our sins so he could have eternal life. Because when we got saved, anybody here start living perfect from that point on? Anybody here do exactly what God's asked them to do? I haven't. I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but that's the truth. Here are some of the things that God gets out of dying on the cross for us. Uh, he gets unbelief. 1 John 2, 2 says he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. Jesus got on the cross, and he paid for everybody's sins, past, present, and future. Not everybody has taken advantage of it, though. Think about the guy who writes a check and says, here, Steve, here's a million bucks. He's got a million dollars, but it's not really a million dollars until he takes it to the bank. And so everybody has that option, but they're not cashing it in. Jesus took that. So he's getting unbelief out of the deal. That's Okay, that's not very good. He's getting disobedience. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. People are listening and thinking like, hey, that's good. I heard what the preacher said. I read what the Bible said. Um, but they don't do anything with it. Disobedience. That's what Jesus is getting. Fearful witnesses. Uh, Paul's talking to Timothy. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Why did he say those words to Timothy? Because Timothy was afraid. He was, a, he was scared to do what God was calling him to do through Paul in order to lead a church. He was afraid. That's what God's getting out of this. He's getting doubt. He's getting untrusting. James 1, six. But when we ask, we must believe and not doubt. We want God's wisdom, but we don't want to do it because we're, we're not believing that he's really going to help us through it. That's what God's getting out of it. And I'm not trying to say that to slam you. I'm just trying to think about God showing love to us. And he's getting really not much out of it. And I want to encourage you to be willing to be that YouTube for somebody else. No matter what they've done to you. Uh, don't, don't be the person uh, who, who hates. When, when, um, verse 12, it says, Do not be like Cain who murdered his brother. It's a choice whether we're going to show love or whether we're not going to. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. It doesn't matter what they're going to do. It doesn't matter if they appreciate that love. You're called to show that love. So when you look at that list, say, You know what? That's me. I have... I have belief, but I, I don't always obey. I'm not always a, a brave witness. Sometimes I doubt and I don't trust God as well. But God still loves me. He still shows me love. So no matter what Selena does to me, I'm going to show love to Selena. We are called to demonstrate that love. Uh, verse 16b to 18. It says, this is how God... 
So I want us to read verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love in, with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So who are we supposed to love? We're supposed to love our brothers. Now I could be your brothers in here. Like Noah can love his brother Caleb. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> right? You guys get that brother-sister relationship? Um, but it could be your brothers in Christ. Everybody in here who says, I believe in Jesus, you're a brother or sister in Christ. We need to show that love to each other, but also to the world out there that we don't know. And I want, I want to key on this verse a little bit. It says, let us do good to all people. Anybody of any race, color, uh, gender, whatever, show God's love to those people, especially to those of the household of faith. You know, something that we have as special is we are a family, and we need to especially show God's love to the people in this building. You know, there are churches and there are situations where uh, people will put all, pour all their love into the world out there because they need Jesus. As soon as they get them inside the building, okay, I'm done with you, and I'm off to the next person. And that person who is here feels like, wait a second, where did it go? Um, there's people in churches who will, will pour into the, the first person who walks in or the new person, but then as soon as the next new person walks in, they completely ignore the other people. We need to be the kind of people who show love to everybody, even those, especially those of the household of faith. And how do we love? Well, the, the one way that the world likes to love, the, the easiest way is through my mouth, through my tongue. I can just say, boy, I just love you, Sharon. You just make me feel good and I just appreciate you and you just mean the world to me. But if I turn around and I... That that's all she ever shows, sees of the love of me, and I never do anything to show her that I love her. Is that really love? God's saying, don't just love in tongue and word only. Don't just spout off these great grandioso, I love you kinds of things. He says, prove it with your life. If you don't, you're like James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If it, one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about those needs, uh, what good is it? It does absolutely no good to say, hey, I just wish you the best, Anita. I know you're hungry. I know you got a flat tire. Good luck. Because I love you and the nice words. It does no good. Here's a picture that's in the back of your bulletin. Um, it's, a, it's a book I got from Leslie's grandmother. And it has this, this, this pastor, this, this guy comes up to him and says, I lost my job uh, due to my serious illness. My son Noah just totaled my new car. My wife and I were evicted. We have nothing to eat and nowhere to go. Well, don't worry, brother. We'll pray for you. Right? You think there's something that preacher can do to help that guy. Sure, he can't give him a new car. He can't make the disease go away. But he could, I'm sure he's got some food that he could give him. Says, look, we got a basement that you can stay in. You can stay in the church nursery if you have to. There's something that he could do in order to show love. But all he says, I'll pray for you. That's just loving in tongue. When you have the capability to help somebody, don't say, yeah, I'll just pray for you. Do something about it. Uh, I wish I, I, I tried to find this a little bit. There was this uh, women's retreat uh, story that I heard about. And they wanted to raise like $3,000 for uh, somebody who was going on a mission trip or somebody who had a need. And someone says, well, we're just going to pray about this. And the this, this speaker got up and said, we're not going to pray about this. Everybody open up your wallet. <laughs> and guess what they did? 
they raised the, the amount that was needed for that person, for whatever issue it was. They all had the capability together, but they just want to say, let's just pray for it. Well, God says, do something about it. Be practical about it. And so that's what we're, we're called to do. Love in action. What is beneficial to the person who needs it? Uh, when Leslie was... Uh, at the hospital or at the hospital at the school when she was trying to cook uh, they thought she had carpal tunnel and so they brought in somebody and this is the word for actions it's work it's ergon and it's from where you get the the word ergonomics it's the study of how the workplace and equipment used in the workplace can best be designed for efficiency so when she had her carpal tunnel issue or so they thought somebody came in and said look here Leslie you're a little on the short side you need a stool Okay, because that's going to make you more efficient. That's going to make you better to reach. This is how you hold the stirring stick. These, this is what's going to make this more efficient, and this is what's going to work better. And when we're called to love in action, we're supposed to be that kind of way, to do what is best for that person, to do what is practical, to do what they need. Not, you know what, Anita's got a flat tire. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'll call you later, see how you're doing. Um, if somebody's hungry, you don't give them a possession. If, you know, if someone needs a ride, you don't give them food. You're giving them what they need. Anita has a flat tire. The work that I can do is to change her flat tire or take her to the car shop to get a new tire, right? That's meeting her practical need. And it might cost me time. It might cost me work. But that's what I'm called to do is to doing what Anita really needs, even if it's out, taking out of my way. And to love in truth is to genuinely demonstrate it in action. You know, a lot of people run around saying, I, I love people, and, and they, they will give things, they'll give money for, and say it's out of love, but really it's a tax break. If I give money to this charity, I'm getting a tax break. And so it's not really out of love, which you can. I mean, I'm saying if you're going to give money to a charity, take advantage of the tax break. But don't claim that it's love if it's only for a tax break. Other people will do it because they feel sorry. If you've ever seen somebody on the side of the road begging with the sign, and then people are rushing up there and throwing money at them and food and stuff, a lot of people, I wonder, why do they do it? I think it's because they feel sorry for that person. They don't know anything about that person. Maybe God's prompted them to do it. But it could just be out of, I don't want to feel sorry for them anymore. I did my part. Or I want to feel good about myself because I did something. But if it's not out of love, it's nothing. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about doing all these great things. If I give all I possess to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames, but if I don't have love, what's the matter? I just wasted my money, I wasted my life, I wasted my time. So make sure that you're doing those things in love. True Christ-like love is not for a show. It's not for a tax break. It's not for any other reason. Jesus came to do what was best for us, to die on the cross because he loved us. So I just want to encourage you this week. As you're going out there, be the YouTube that shows God, first of all, that you love him. Because if we love God, we'll obey His commandments. And then it shows uh, others that you love God. By, by the way I treat Steve, I'm showing him that I love God. And I'm showing Steve what God's love is like. He's using me as a vessel, as a tool to demonstrate that kind of love to him. So just, I just want to encourage you, be a live YouTube video and show other people God's love. Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. 
God, I thank you for the love that you demonstrated on us before we were good, before we, we did anything worthwhile. You said while we were still sinners, you were going to pay our, our, take our punishment for us and give us eternal life. God, I know that we don't always want to love. It's not always convenient. We don't always like the people that you call us to love. But I pray that you would help us to remind us, God, to be the live YouTube video this week and show your love to other people anyway. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.